This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m., or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m., or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Now, I tell you, it's an exciting thing when you know you can pray and it makes a difference. And that's what I want to talk to you about a little bit today. You know, prayer that works. Or actually, I was thinking maybe I should have dropped the ER because sometimes when you say prayer, people are thinking about a prayer that someone wrote that you just read it off or something. But I'm thinking I should have just went ING, you know, praying that works. And praying is just talking to God, you know, hanging out with Him. Um, but uh, let me, before we get into our lesson, let me say also that I, I uh, thank all of you who have served VBA in the past and who will serve this coming year. And most of you figured it out that that wasn't last year's VBA. You see these little kids now, they're like this now, you know. That was, what, three years ago. But uh, we didn't have a chance to make another video uh, to encourage you. But it gave us a little taste of what VBA is like. And this building is full, the parking lot's full, the front yard is full, the park is full of kids. And ain't nothing like investing your time, energy, and money to bring kids to a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and save them a lot of the heartache. We've, we've had to go through and, and learn the hard way, right? So, but anyhow, I believe as we pray for these kids, even now, our prayers work. And we want to, or life, I do anyhow, and I think you probably, how would it be with you if, if let's just say, 75 more percent of the prayers that you pray get answered. Would that be okay? Would you like to have more prayers answered? Yes. Well, I'm, I'm t- what we're talking about today and next week and will help that. And, and this is not, I'm not just trying to be funny or clever or entertaining or something. I'm just telling you something that really works. You know, there's principles like gravity. You learn how that thing, gravity works. You can make a grandfather clock. There's all kinds of things you can do as you learn those things. And we want to learn what God tells us in his word. And, and a lot of our prayers being answered are conditional. And if we meet those conditions, it changes everything. It really does. Um, so if you've been having trouble connecting with God, let me just r- remind you, prayer works. But we got to do it his way. Um, For several nights, a six-year-old girl, she threw one shoe under her bed before going to sleep. Her mother asked her why she did that. So my my teacher says that if you have to kneel by your bed to look for your shoes in the morning, we'll remember to keep kneeling and say a morning prayer. Now, so I think you should start doing that or throwing your husband's shoe under the bed or your wife's shoe. Last night, my wife piped up and said, or their car keys or something or another. But when you kneel down to graph it, maybe we'll remember to, you know, include God in our day. Is it important that we kneel when we pray? Not really. Any position is a good position except laying in the bed. You know, it's not a good place to pray because you will fall asleep. You do know that, right? Okay. A fellow by the name of C.W. Renwick said, the only footprints on the sands of time that 
will really last are the footprints made after knee prints. So can you imagine a man or a woman, and they're on their knees and they're praying? Now, you don't have to get on your knees, but that, that's a, a sign of humility that I'm kneeling down. I'm saying, God, I really need you. I'm depending upon you. I, I worship you, and, and I'm asking you for help, and he will be there. But we need to learn his ways, you know. In the early days of the Republic, a stranger once asked at Congress how he could recognize George Washington. And he was told, well, you can easily recognize him when Congress goes to prayer. George Washington is a gentleman who kneels. I said, boy, would that be, that's our first president. Wouldn't that be something if we saw the leaders of our nation actually kneeling, you know, before their peers and acknowledging their dependence upon the living God. Uh, let's look at Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, a lot of the things I'm going to probably say to you this morning are not necessarily new, but it's a good reminder of what God says in his word. And he is absolutely true to what he has said. And God has been texting us for years. We're just finally picking up what he's been sending, you know. And it says here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, So you see, it is impossible to please God without faith. But you can have all the faith you want. Just faith comes by hearing his word. You hear it, you read it, you know, you study it. He says it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him, to God, simple, must believe that there is a God. And number two, believe that he rewards those who, here's a key, sincerely seek him. There are some people who seek him physically, visibly, but the sincerity might be missing there. Sincerity, I mean, from the depths of your, your heart. He says you've got to believe that God is, and you've got to believe that God will reward those who sincerely seek him. And then Matthew 6, 7, it says, and Jesus, his word is powerful. He says, when you pray, he didn't say if you pray. He assumes we would. He said, when you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. The King James Bible says, don't babble on and on or don't use, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. Thinking that, well, and, and there's people who say, you know what, the more you say it, the, your prayer's going to get answered. And there are people around about us and there's religions who say, well, if you say, go and say this prayer 150 times and your sins will get forgiven. Or you say this prayer, you've got to do something else for you, but you've got to say it like 200 times. I mean, are, are we, would we be really impressed if our wife or our husband was to say the same thing like 150 times? <laughs> it's like, okay, got it. Message received. Hush, even, you know. And God ain't impressed with it either. And Jesus says, don't do that. There are other religions who are much lazier than the ones we know about. Because what they do is they put their prayer on a little pinwheel and they'll stick it on a mountain cliff or on the top of their building and they say, well, every time it goes around, it says your prayer for you. So you can go watch TV while you're, you're really praying and stuff like that. Now, I'm thinking, well, if that was true, I'm going to get one of those little pinwheels and I'm going to say to my wife, I love you. And I'll stick it on a hill up there and say, honey, I'm saying... Thousands of times a day, how much I love you. Now, what's on TV today, you know? 
You think that really works? I don't think so. Not at all. So he says, when you pray, don't babble on and on, as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered only by repeating their words again and again. And Jesus says, don't do that. It's not by how many times you say something. It really isn't. There was a three-year-old, this little girl named Donna, and she loved to pray. Three years old, especially before the meals. And sometimes she'd get carried away when she was praying before the meals. And occasionally, her father, who happened to be a pastor, would have to say, Amen, that's enough, Donna. <laughs> and one Sunday in church, as a lengthy benediction prayer was being prayed by her daddy, you know, Donna stood up and declared, Amen, that's enough, Daddy. <laughs> Children learn pretty quick, don't they? I really do. Well, God doesn't hear us because of our long praying. It really has to do with sincerity. It has to do with our heart. There was another couple of things I wanted to share with you. A doctor, W.T. Grenfell, he tells in his autobiography that he was a converted. He came to know Christ through D.L. Moody's wisdom and just common sense. And Moody had asked a minister to come and to lead in the prayer of this great service, he was having like these big tent meetings and all. And um, this minister began a long, you know, oratorical effort, you know, to pray about everything. You know, and, and young Dr. Grenfell, he sat through a good bit of it and uh, he really became bored. And then he grabbed his hat to leave because he, he just had enough of it. That was his first time. Deal Moody had invited him to come and Moody sees him. So he jumps up and cries out, well, let us sing a hymn while our brother finishes his prayer over there, you know. And uh, anyhow, this Dr. Grenfell, he's like, he was so impressed with Deal Moody, you know, kind of using a very gracious way to hush the guy up you know, he stayed around and he got saved. He gave his life to Christ that night made an eternal difference. See, prayers are not answered because of the length of them or by you repeating them over and over as some people think. There was a mother listening to the evening prayer of her uh, sleepy little daughter and she was astonished and she was amazed to hear these following words. Now I lay me down to sleep. You ever prayed that one? I did. Now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And when he hollers, let him go, eeny, meeny, miny, moe. <laughs> now some adults' prayers aren't much different than that. Because lots of times we don't know what we're saying. When I first came to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior as a teenager, and I heard this song on the radio, you ever heard a song, My Sweet Lord? And it's got a catchy little tune. I was singing it here and there, you know. My sweet Lord. Does anybody know what the next words are? No, my sweet Lord. A lot of people think it's hallelujah, but it's Harry Krishna. That's not Christianity, my friend. But I was singing it because it sounded like it was a Christian song. And I also used to pray. Up until I was almost a teenager, you know, God is 
you familiar with the, the first? God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our But if, as a kid, I learned, if, you know, as, as a, an infant. And, and I didn't know what I was saying. And I would say goddess. You know what a goddess is? <laughs> God is great. God is good. Until I was almost a teenager. But I wonder how many of us say prayers and say things. We don't know what in the world we're saying. That's not a sincere prayer. That's not a prayer out of faith. That's just, you know, what the sister had told us. You know, don't just go doing that vain repetitious stuff that we don't have a clue what we're, we're saying there, you know, to be honest with you. Anyhow, uh, it's not the amount of words, but it's the right words that we say that makes the difference. And here in the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 3, it says, God blesses those who realize their, what's that say? need for him and see when we go to God in prayer and we acknowledge our need I need you Lord there's a song we used to sing it years ago pretty good song it goes I need you more more than yesterday I need you more more than words can say I need you more than ever before I need you more I need you Lord more than the air I breathe more than the song I sing, more than my next heartbeat, more than anything. And Lord, as time goes by, I'll be by your side. And I never want to go back to my old life. I need you more, more than yesterday. I need you more. More than words can say, I need you more than ever before. I need you more, I need you, Lord. Right here in your presence is where I belong. And this old broken heart has finally found a home. And I'll never be alone. What was the theme of that song? I need you more. Let's look back at Matthew chapter 5 verse 3. It says, God blesses those who realize their need for him. And that should be part of our sincere prayer, whether we're in great need of in poverty or sick, or whether we're healthy as an ox and, and have everything we need, we should always approach God. It's like, I need you more. Because every good thing I have, it comes from you. Is that true? Now, that's one of the little keys. And there's some great keys that we're going to learn that will cause our prayers to be answered. And I want to invest time praying prayers that gets answered. And I think you've already consented that you would like to see a higher percentage of your prayers being answered, wouldn't you? It inspires to pray more. It genuinely would. And, and that can and will happen. E.M. Bounds, <clears throat> a great man of God, an author of years gone by of books about prayer, he once said, prayer is one of our greatest earthly privileges. One of our greatest earthly privileges and one of the most powerful things on this planet, to be honest with you. Let's see here. Ian Bounds said, prayer is one of our greatest earthly privileges. Privileges. This is what it says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 21. It says, Dear friends, if our conscience is clear. Now I'm going to ask you a question here this morning. 
Is your conscience clear? Two, three. Okay, all right. I appreciate your honesty. All right, all right. Let's go. Well, let me show you the connection to having a clear conscience. He says, dear friends, if our conscience is clear, we can come to God with bold confidence. If we are having trouble connecting with God, well, maybe there's a sin or something that's going on in our life that we have not confessed to God and our conscience is not quite clear, but I'm going to tell you something. If our conscience is clear, you're not going to see your prayers answered like you could see. So, if, oh, I got a prayer answered and I had a guilty conscience. Well, just imagine what your prayers being answered would look like if, if you got a clean conscience. Because this is something he tells us in his word. This is true. Dear friends, if our conscience is clear, we can come to God with bold confidence. That's what he tells us in, in other places in his word as well. And then he goes on to say in verse 22, and we, what's the next word? Can we read it together? Can we do that together? Let's read this verse 22. And we will receive whatever we request. Wow. We obey him. Now, now hold on a second. Sometimes people think when you talk about, well, I got to obey God. It's like, like God's a party pooper or something or another. He just wants to spoil our pun. You know, you obey your boss and he gives you a raise. You know, you, you obey the traffic laws out there and, and you and your family are safe. If, if you disobey, well, that's a red light. Who cares? I'm just going to run it anyhow. Boom. Have an accident. You know, so he says here, and we, if we got a clear conscience and we will receive whatever, whatever, whatever we request because we obey him and do the things that please him. What pleases him? Obedience is good, we, but we read a verse in the beginning. It says it's impossible to please God without faith. Believing inspires us to obey. You know, you, you believe the traffic laws and, and you obey them, and therefore you're given this great freedom and privilege to drive anywhere you want. Any time of the day or night, you can, you got this wonderful freedom. And the scripture says, when our conscience is clear, and that's why if, if you've sinned, a sin that you acted out or a sin that you committed by not doing something God showed you to do, we need to confess it. The Bible says if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from every wrong. And don't think, well, one little sin don't affect nothing. It does. It, it affects your prayers. And, and having a guilty conscience causes prayers not to work. Are you serious? I'm absolutely positively serious when I say that. If, if every time you come to a stop sign, you run it, in a red light and you run it, in a policeman season, what's going to happen? Not only a ticket, if you keep on doing it, you will go to jail, <laughs> you know, but you will forfeit your freedom to drive anymore. You say, well, it's just a little old stop sign. Oh, no, you might hurt somebody. Someone might hurt you, so it's important. And he says here, if our conscience is clear, we've gone to God and we've, we've confessed our sins and we hide his word in our hearts and we learn not not to have to keep disobeying him, you know, he says, then you'll receive whatever you request. Oh, that's awesome. That's, that's wonderful. That's, that's life-changing. So when you do what pleases God, we can expect answered prayer. When you're doing what pleases him, and that's to believe him and act out what he tells us in his word. Now, 2 Kings chapter 20. This is uh, 
powerful passage, if we'll learn the principles that are, are hidden here, it says about that time, Hezekiah, Hezekiah was the king at that time. About that time, Hezekiah became deathly ill. I mean, he was sick as a dog. And the prophet Isaiah, you know, in the book, there's a book called Isaiah, the prophet. That's who it was. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to visit him. And he gave the king this message. This is what the Lord says. Set your affairs in order for you are going to die. Here's a prophet is telling the king you're going to die. And then to make it clear, he says, you will not recover from this illness. Verse two, when Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall. Hezekiah heard the prophet deliver this message from God and he turned his face to the wall, which means he's turned his back on everything else. He turned away from everything, from, you know, responsibilities he had as a king and laws he was putting in and special projects and any pleasures he might have been having going on. He turned away from all of it, turned his back on it all. And he turned his face to the wall to get along with God. You know, I was up on the mountain a couple of nights ago. I don't know if y'all was outside at this time, but it was foggy. I mean, foggy, foggy, foggy. I was up on the top of the mountain on the cliff, and it took three lights that I had to shine on a tree. It was on the edge of the cliff that was about that far away, so you could see the thing. And the fog was nothing. It wasn't rain. It was a foggy mist coming this way. And normally I can look out and I can see lights all over Southington and surrounding towns. But I didn't see nothing. Don't I turn your face to the wall? I was totally alone, engulfed here. You know, it's, it's a good place to pray. Genuinely is. Have you ever turned your face to the wall? Have you ever genuinely got alone with God? I'll tell you a secret. You pray different when you're alone than when you're praying and other people around. Did you know that? Are you going to confess all your sins to God when other people are listening? Who said yes? You would? All right, come on up here. Let's confess all your sins. I got a microphone here. Add into that confession lion, okay? All right. No, but you know what I'm saying. It's like when, when I say certain things to God, ain't nobody else's business, right? So he tells us in his word, it's really good to get alone. When we pray, because we turn our face to the wall, we get sincere. We get honest with him, you see, when we do that. And I'm going to tell you that sincerity and that honesty is what brings about the answers to a lot of praying. Genuinely does. Anyhow, see, what verse was I on? Anyhow, see. Well, see, 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 1. It says, about that time Hezekiah became deathly ill. The prophet Isaiah, you know, uh, Son of Amos went to visit him and he gave the king this message. This is what the Lord says. Set your affairs in order for you're going to die. You will not recover from this illness. That's a pretty powerful statement. And when Hezekiah heard this, he did what? He turned his face to the wall and he prayed to the Lord. Says he turned his face to the wall, 
And he prayed to the Lord. And how long did it take him to do that? A few hours, a day, a week? Instantly he did that. As we pop over here to 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 2, I mean, and we see that Hezekiah dropped everything to put God first. And it says here in 2 Chronicles 15, 2, it says, The Lord will stay with you as long as you stay with him. Whenever you seek him, and the Amplified Bible says, whenever you, you, you crave, which means a hunger and thirst for, whenever you crave him as your soul's first necessity, whenever you seek him, you crave him as your soul's first necessity, you will find him. But if you abandon him, you become indifferent and you turn your back, you forsake God. He says he'll abandon you. But the abandonment really is on your part. Because if, if you repent and turn around, he's there. But you feel like you're all alone because you've turned your back on him. And you've, you've turned away from him and everything in the world is in front of you. You see. He goes on to say here in verse 2. Remember, O Lord, and this is uh, in 2 Kings 20, it says, Remember, O Lord, he's turned his face to the wall, he begins to pray. He says, Remember, O Lord, how I have always tried. I've really made effort. I've aimed at being faithful. I've, I've really tried to be faithful. I've tried to be true to you and, and to do what's pleasing in your sight. What, what pleases God? Faith does. To believe him enough to hear him and to obey him and, and, and to know that he loves us and he rewards us when we come sincerely to him. This is what Hezekiah is saying, Lord, I, I've tried to be faithful to you and I've tried to do what's pleasing to you. And then he broke down. Hezekiah broke down and he wept bitterly. I mean, this is humility. Here's a king. He just, he turns his back on everything and he's crying as he's praying, just weeping before Almighty God. And it says in verse 4, But before Isaiah, the prophet who delivered the message, but before Isaiah had left the middle courtyard, this message came to him from the Lord. I mean, God is on time. It's not like God's, oh, here, I forgot to get a hold of somebody. Oh, three weeks ago, oh, I forgot to contact them. No, God is present with us. And it says... The Lord told Isaiah, he says in verse 5, you go back to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, and tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David said, I have heard your prayer. Now God had already said, you're going to die. You're not going to recover. You remember? That's what he told him. And he immediately turned his face to the wall and began to pray. Immediately. And God spoke to the prophet who's just going out the front door, going out the gate out there. God says, you go tell him I heard him. You go tell him I've heard your prayer and I've seen your tears. That shows sincerity. I will heal you. I'm telling you, God hears your prayers and he'll answer when we're sincere. Genuine sincerity. And then God goes on to say, not only will I heal you, and three days from now, see, even after God said I'm going to heal you, faith was important that he believed what God said 
and acted upon what God said. He said, three days from now, you will get out of the bed and go to the temple of the Lord. Is it okay if God says, well, it's going to be three days before you can really get up? Would that be all right? That's, he has a reason for that. He said, three days, you're going to get out of bed. You're going to go to the temple of the Lord. And I will add 15 years to your life. Wow. And God had already said, you're going to die. You're not going to recover. What changed it? Faith and prayer. When a man had gotten sincere, got serious with God, that he turned his back on everything else that distracts him, just got a hold of God. And that, he did not have near as good of a covenant with God as you and I have. Jesus, is, the Messiah, has already come. He's already paid the sacrifice. He went to the cross. He rose from the dead. You and I have a better covenant with God than Hezekiah had. But the same prophet that spoke to Hezekiah does speak to us. Be interested to see what he has to say about us. Anyhow, let's see, uh, verse 6, he says, And I'll add 15 years to your life, and I will rescue you and the city from the king of Assyria, and I will do this to defend my honor for the sake of my servant David. Let's learn a lesson from Hezekiah here. And then Isaiah said to Hezekiah's servant, Now make an ointment from figs. Now, the prophet is speaking not to the king, but to one of his servants. He says, now, go and make an ointment from figs and spread it over the boil that's come up on his body. They did this, and Hezekiah recovered. See, God can show you what to do. And you can pray, and God says, I can heal you. But he might say, use some of this ointment. Or he might say, change your diet. Or he might say this or that. And we need to be just listening and, and, and we have a part because the Bible says faith without works is uh, dead. If, if they had a, said, okay, everything, but we're not going to make that ointment, you know. We're not going to make a fig ointment and put on me. We would have probably died because he had a part to play in it. He Why? I don't know. That's just the way God set the thing up. Anyhow, picking up here in verse 8. Meanwhile, Hezekiah had said to Isaiah, what sign will the Lord give to prove that he will heal me and that I will go to the temple of the Lord in three days? Now, isn't it amazing when the prophet told him you're going to die? He didn't say, well, what sign are you going to give me that I'm going to die? We are so prone and so easy to believe the negative, are we not? Now God sent a word, I'm going to heal you. And the king is going, well, what sign are you going to give me that you're going to really heal me and, and I'll get up in three days? It was hard for him to believe the good news, wasn't it? It really was. But think about this, you know. Isaiah replied, this is a sign that the Lord will give you to prove he will do as he promised. Would you like the, sun, the shadow on the sundial to go forward 10 steps or backwards 10 steps? You understand what a sundial is. It's this little thing. It's basically a stick in the ground. And when the sun shines on it, it casts a shadow. And they have a little dial with little numbers on it. And it shows, when the shadow, there's a sun, hits the stick, casts a shadow, it means it's 10 o'clock. And as the sun moves, the shadow moves, and it tells it hey, it's 11 or it's 12, whatever it might be. And, and so this is what's going on. And verse 10 says, the shadow always moves forward, Hezekiah replied. Make it go backwards instead. So Isaiah said to the, 
asked the Lord to do this, and he caused this shadow to move 10 steps, or other terms like 10 degrees, backwards on the sundial of Ahaz. Now, you've got to understand something. That sundial going backwards 10 degrees was a grander miracle than Hezekiah getting healed. Do you know what happens, has to happen for a sundial to go backwards? It's like God hits the brakes, puts it in reverse, turns the planet to spin the other way, move backwards. It's amazing everybody didn't fall off the planet. But God who made the earth can do anything he jolly well pleases. But God will move heaven and earth when he finds a man or a woman whose heart is pure and sincere before him. And God wants to answer prayer. He wants your praying to work. <laughs> he genuinely does. And just to show the king a sign that was going to happen in three days, God calls the sundial to go backwards. God can do anything. He really can. It is absolutely amazing what God can do. Absolutely amazing. Isaiah 66, verse 2, God says, My hands have made both heaven and earth, and they're mine. And I, the Lord, have spoken. And you got his words in a book. We call it the Bible. I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts and who tremble at my, my word. Isaiah chapter 53, this is important. The same prophet who spoke to Hezekiah is now speaking to us. And... Uh, He's prophesying what's going to happen and what's going to impact our lives in a mighty kind of a way. Now, he's talking about Jesus here, the Messiah. In Isaiah 53, verse 3, it says, He, Isaiah, that same prophet who spoke to Hezekiah, he says, he, referring to Jesus, he was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows and acquainted with bitterest grief. This is Jesus. And we turned our backs on him. <laughs> And we looked the other way when he went by. He was despised. And we did not care. Don't bother us. Didn't bother our forefathers and a lot of people now. Hey, well, Jesus went to the cross. Hey, he, got what he, he got what he had coming. You know, that's what a lot of people think. Verse 4 says, yet it was our weakness that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him, Jesus, down. And we thought his trouble, being beaten, you know, before the crucifixion, being nailed to a cross, and we thought his troubles were a punishment from God for his own sins. But it wasn't, it was our sins. Verse 5 says, but he was wounded. I'm talking about pierced, literally thrust through. He was wounded and crushed for our sins. He was beaten that we might have peace. You ever seen the Passion? If you've not ever seen the Passion, it's the most biblically accurate thing of what happened to Jesus before he went to the cross. If you can stomach it, you ought to see it. It says he was beaten, that we might have peace. And this word peace here, it means welfare. It means health. It means prosperity. It's talking about healing for your physical body. It don't just mean, well, he was... He was uh, beaten for our peace so we can just be calm and all. Look it up. Look up that word peace in your Bible. Look it up in the Hebrew and see what it's talking about there. It says, but he was wounded 
and he was crushed for our sins and he was beaten that we might have peace. This, this wholeness. And he was whipped. He was flogged and he was, you know, thrashed and bashed and lashed. And it says he was whipped and we, what does it say? Were healed. We were mended. We were cured and healed and repaired thoroughly. I'm talking about made whole. And in other translations, it says, and by his stripes, we are healed. Jesus took 39 lashes from a cat of nine tails. It was a whiff, had nine pieces of leather, had little pieces of lead and broken bone, you know, uh, you know, dipped, it was dipped in blood and it was dipped in all these little shards of bone and glass and, and all. And then they would lash him and one lash would leave nine stripes and they would rip it once they hit him. And the scripture says, you know, he was whipped and we were healed. By his stripes we are healed, the King James Bible and other translations would say. And that was prophesied what was going to happen. But now it has already happened. Now we're in the New Testament. And the prophecy has been fulfilled. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Listen to what is going on now. He's talking about Jesus again after it's happened. He personally carried away our sins in his own body on the cross. So we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. You have been, what's that say? Healed by his wounds. And the King James says, by his stripes you were. What does were mean? It's past tense. This was paid for a long time ago. Jesus took these lashes upon his body so you can have this peace, this wholeness in body, soul, and spirit. That's what he's talking about. Going back uh, to Isaiah 53, verse 6, it says, and all of us have strayed away. We've all strayed away like sheep, and we've, we've left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid upon him, on Jesus, our Savior, the Lord God Almighty laid upon him the guilt and the sin of us all. Oh, man. I am telling you, Jesus did whatever it took for you and for me. And when we grasp the reality of what he did and what he says, and we meet the conditions when he says, this is how you pray. And we'll talk more about that next week. Now, when I got married, I read in the Bible and it says that my, my wife would become my helpmate. So can I get you to help me put this track together up here? Have more pieces here too. And I think you need a helper. A Marine would do. Could you help put this track together? Yes, sir. All right, you just follow the instructions of your commander up here, and that would be Susan. I'm going to read you a scripture while they put that track together. It's found in John chapter 15, verse 7, and it says, and Jesus is telling us here, he says, if, if you stay joined to me, Jesus, if you stay in a right relationship with me, I'm talking about no separation, no affairs with the, the world, you know, just draw us away from God. Jesus said, and he's talking to you and me as believers, if you stay joined to me, Jesus said, and my word, that's the Bible, and my words remain in you, 
Not just come in occasionally and you forget them. But if my words remain in you, you may ask what? Any request you like. Is anybody here, if, if God said, I'm going to answer any prayer you ask in the next 10 minutes. Has anybody got a prayer to pray? I mean, miracles to take place. And Jesus said, if you stay joined to me and my words remain in you, you may ask any request you like and it will be granted. Now, as they're working diligently to get this thing over here together, you know, the Bible doesn't really work for us. Until... Well, let me ask you something. Now, I don't really have enough of time. I did have a good meal last week during the service, you know. That was so much fun, and I liked it so much. I was going to do something like that again today, but I don't have time to do it. So, I'll just tell you what I was going to do. Um, what is this? Now, let me just ask you a question. Could I toast bread with it? Okay. I'm going to put some bread in there. I'm sorry? Oh, I got to plug it in before it will work? I'm going to tell you what. God's word does not work until it's plugged into your brain, your mind, and your heart. Just because it's there in the book, don't, it don't work until it's plugged into you. Till we hide God's word in our heart. And I'm telling you, the man or the woman who will begin to pray what the Bible says, their prayers work. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Wait, I got to salute you, I think. Okay. All right. Okay, now, let me see here. We got a whole bunch of cards in here. Can I get you to come back up here again? Now, can you just put all these little guys here and just set them right there? And would you take that there and put it on the track? That's what I'm talking about. It's, it's working. I'm going to sit down. Hey, give him a hand for helping me out up here. <laughs> now, I'm going to tell you something. Every time you pray, there's a guy who made this comment back before I was born. His name was Watchman Nee. But every time you pray, you lay down a track. You lay down a rail. And then God, he's wanting to send this mighty locomotive pulling all these cars of blessings and miracles into your life. Because you've been laying down all this track that the train can get to you. Now, if we had a great big train full of everything you could ever imagine for the rest of your life, could it get to your house? Why? Not unless you live on a railroad track somewhere. Because what's going to happen to that train once it gets off of a track? It's going to derail. It can't drive on asphalt. It's going to sink in. If you've got sand, you know, it's just going to sink in and get stuck. And lots of times we're asking for God to send us all these wonderful blessings like Hezekiah was. But we ain't laid down no track. And every time you pray, you're laying down another piece of track. You're laying down another rail 
so God's power can get to you. Are you praying the way the Bible teaches us to pray? We're going to learn more about that next week. But if we'll begin to pray the way God tells us how to pray, we're going to lay down the rail. And as he's trying to get his power to us, there's a track, there's a rail that it can come to us. Because, see, we have a part. Faith without works is dead. And he tells us we can pray about anything. We've got to have a clear conscience. And if, if you've got unforgiveness in your heart towards somebody, did you know if you haven't forgiven somebody for hurting you, did you know your prayers ain't going to work? Did you know the Bible says that? So we've got to forgive them. And there's other little simple things that we'll learn in his word. When you pray, feelings and emotions, oh, help. That ain't an effective prayer. When you go to God and say, Father, you said I can come boldly to your throne of grace and obtain mercy and help in my time of need. And I got a need right now and I'm asking you to help me in the name of your son, Jesus. Now that's a prayer that'll work. And if, if, you, if you don't go to the Father, your prayers are not going to work. You can't pray to the Holy Spirit and Jesus himself in the Bible says, don't pray to me. He said, go to the Father in my name. You know, are you serious? There's conditions and once we meet those conditions, our prayers will work. And you and I have so much better covenant than Hezekiah did, but the same prophet who spoke to Hezekiah has spoke to you and me through Isaiah. Isaiah the book. And he told us what was going to happen. And 